0: So today's Dav is Kuf Aleph in uh, in in Eruvin. We are at the very top, actually, of the um, of the new uh, Amud of Amud Aleph of Kuf Aleph, and basically the the end of the of Masechet Eruvin is almost like a uh, a, a potpourri. It's like a hodgepodge of different halachot that pertain to uh, Hilchot Shabbat that almost haven't been included in other places in in, in Masechet Shabbat or Masechet Eruvin. A lot of these mishnayot we've actually come across in other contexts in Masechet Shabbat and Masechet Eruvin, as we're going to see. Uh, but they don't exactly fit specifically with the theme of Masechet Iruvin in particular, but with Hilchot Shabbat in general. So it says, A person has a door that leads to kind of a storage area in the back of the house that they used to have. Like we've seen that uh, the Moktze is a reference here, not to Moktzev Shabbat, the idea of not touching things, but an area in the back. Okay, and, and he has a door like that. Um, he has like a thorn bushes that he uses to close an opening in the fence or an opening in the house. He uses thorny uh, thorny bushes to close it. Or he uses a, um, reed mats. You cannot use them as a door unless they are above the ground. In other, and The way that Rashi explains it is this. that Basically, since these things are not regular doors that are attached to the... Obviously, you can open and close doors on Shabbat. It's no problem. But if you have something that's a makeshift door, it's not really a door meaning it's like just a piece of something a some a bush that you use that you put in front to block people from getting in or it's a mat that you stick into the opening to to block it or something like that like a barricade. so the, yeah it's like a barricade it's not really made for that it's like uh, you' de- you're using it for that so that's like almost building because you're like adding to the uh, you're adding to the structure it wasn't part of the structure unless they're above the ground meaning to say that if they're hanging if they're suspended from the doorway in some way so then it's not considered adding to the building but if it's just sitting there on the ground then you pick it up and you stick it in it's almost like you're adding to the building now the Gemara says minu, we raise an objection. if you have a door that is dragging, or a mat that is dragging, or a kankan here is talking about like a handle of a certain plowing tool. As long as they are tied up and hanging down from the doorway. So you can open and close the doorway with them. So that seems to contradict what we said in our, uh, in our Mishnah. Because our Mishnah is saying that uh, that it can't be, nigra- it says here, ha-nigreret. Nigreret means it's dragging on the ground, whereas our Mishnah said it had to be gvoim minaretz, it had to be above the ground, meaning it can't be touching the ground. So which one is it? Amar abaye b'shyesh Abaye says if there is an actual, um, like a uh, a pivot thing on the door, that actually holds the door, you know, uh, hold, would would hold it on. So in other words, it's clear that it's part of the structure of the door. So then you're allowed to use it okay? But if it doesn't have sort of a, a hinge or something like that on the doorway, whatever their hinges were like, not exactly like ours, but some kind of a hinge on the door that shows that it's really is supposed to be attached there. So then, is, in other words, if, it's, if there's something there that doesn't, um, if there's nothing there, then it has to be hanging and suspended from above the ground to show that it's part of the structure. But if it has a hinge, so then even if it's touching the ground, you can see that it's meant to be inserted into this hinge and it's really part of the door. Rava says, even if right now there is no hinge on the door. But if there was one in the past, then everybody knows that this is really designated for the function of opening and closing the door. And even though it detaches and reattaches, it would be okay. But th- So they both agree that when there was never anything, any modification of the doorway to show that this piece was meant to go in, so then it has to be hanging and suspended from off the ground in order to show that it's really considered a door. But if it was, uh, if there is some modification or was in the doorway that showed that it was meant to have something inserted into it, so then even if the item that you're <laughs> using is on the ground it could be okay okay now the, the is going to go on with this though well there is an objection if you have a door that is hang, that is dragging or a map that's dragging or you have a Uh, plowing tool handle that is hanging down, which I guess was big enough to block a doorway. As long as they are tied and hanging, and they're also above the ground, even the amount of a hair, so then you can use them. And if not, then you can't lock with them, you can't close with them. Now the thing is, that in this case, um, even the the braita itself is self contradictory because in the beginning it says they're nigrarim, that they're dragging on the ground, but then it says they have to be suspended above the uh, above the ground. So you can say that it's uh, the chidush is that it says that they could be dragging on the ground. And our mishnah says that it has to be held up, but actually. Uh even within the bright that's contradictory. So Either way their their answers answer the question. Because abaye It's two different possibilities. Either this door has to be uh, have, have a, there has to be some kind, of a, uh, 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 some kind of a hinge on the door that indicates that this was meant to be inserted into it, or it has to be suspended above the ground, one or the other. Basically, they're saying that either there has to be some modification of the door that shows that this piece is meant to be inserted into it, or it has to be suspended from above the ground to show that it 's meant to be put in there otherwise it 's like you 're adding something totally new to the door that was the, to the house that was never there before if you have um, like a um, thorny uh, uh, thorny uh, uh, b- bushes or you have um, packages I mean, um, uh, bundles that you set them aside to close a breach in the wall that was in your yard so you want to pl- block entry to the wall so you put like thorn bushes there or something like that that will block the entry uh, where the where the uh, fence has been broken if they are tied to the door or to the wall, rather, and they're hanging up. Then you can use them. It's certainly on Yom Tov, it's okay. In other words, in that case, as long as they're attached, you're good. If you have a widowed door. What does that mean, a widowed door? Which is on the ground. But you cannot use that to close the door on Shabbat. What does it mean? A, a widowed door. What does that mean? Some say it's made of only one panel of wood. Normally they would make their doors out of two panels of wood stuck together, and this is only one, so it's lacking. The way that Rashi interprets it, it means that it doesn't have a cross piece, like a, a piece that goes across that holds it together on top. Either way, the point is it's just like a piece of wood that you're using to stick in the wall, that is uh, called delet ha- ha- almana. meaning if it's not something that is clearly meant as a door, so then there has to be some uh, attachment of it uh, to the to the house in order to indicate that it's a door. That's a basic rule in all of these. All of these are basically saying the same concept, that if, the, if you're using something that's a makeshift, then it looks like you are adjusting the house by putting in a new piece, you're like creating a new door. But if it's clearly a door from before, so then it should be okay it's because obviously you can open and close the door on Shabbat and nobody says you're, every time you close the door you're fixing the house nobody would say that okay it have hinges right exactly either it has hinges or it had hinges according to rav is enough even if they're not even if they fell out or, or it's tied and it's hanging from the house either way anything that shows that it's meant to be there I'm high Madurta. And now this is a different issue, which is that making a structure on Shabbat, again, and again, this doesn't directly connect to, uh, to Eruvin. This is just Halachot of Shabbat that were not mentioned earlier. So it says the Madurta, the, um, if you have a, um, you have a uh, like you're making a fire, so you would stack logs, let's say you would stack logs up, I mean, vertically, two sides, and then across, you would also stack logs, and then you would set the fire underneath in that space underneath. Now, anytime you make a structure for use of what is underneath it, that's called like binyan. Now, this is midirabbanan. It's not midiraita. But it says, mimala lemata If you start with the logs that are going on top, and then you put the ones that go on the bottom, that's okay because you're doing it backwards. Rashi says, lechoz... <laughs> I'm going to tell you. Lechoz b'avir. Right? Meaning you hold the upper ones. And somebody else comes and he brings... The ones that go underneath. You start that way, so you do it backwards. That is okay. But, if You put them like in the right square area like they're supposed to be. And then, And then you put the top ones on. Because that's like the way that you actually make an oil usually. You make first... The, uh, whenever you make a structure, you obviously make the walls first and you put the roof. He says that is like making a structure and that wouldn't be allowed. Um, and similarly um, uh, he says if you put an egg she says putting an egg like on a stand, if you need what's underneath, obviously it's only if you because you're going to put the fire or whatever underneath. So even though the egg is small, if you're making it like a tripod type of a situation, or if you, or if you put kidra, uh, if you put a pot. On, uh, again, R- Rashi-, Rashi says that, uh, um, if you put the, um, uh, you put two uh, barrels or two stands, and you put on top of it a pot, and you're going to then put the fire underneath the pot to cook it. That would be the same thing. Same with a bed. If you put a uh, if you put down the legs of the bed, and then you place the mattress on top, that would only be if you're using what's un- you're using under the bed, obviously, because again, it's only when it's considered like a roof. Same would be not a not an omelet here. It means that yeah, it means that you're um, that you're making a. Uh, it it sounded good for at first, but you no, know, then but then you know, it means um it means that you're you putting barrels and you're stacking them. So when you stack the barrels, if you're using what's underneath, if you're using the top, it's not as big of an issue. But if you're using what's underneath, it's an issue. To make a structure, you have to do it in the backwards way. You have to first hold what is on, goes on top and then bring the sides around. <laughs> a certain tzeduki, a certain see, somebody who is a heretic, said to Rabbi Yosho ben hanania he said, you are really like a thorny guy." I mean, I guess that was an insult. You know, you guys are a thorn in the side of uh, of people. because it says regarding you, tovam that the good people, you know, even the best people of these Jews, they're like they're like a, they're like a a thorn, they're like a a thorn in people's sides. So he said, "No, Amar He said, "You fool." Shafila You should read on in the pasuk because Then it says, "Yashar mi misucha." it says that they're straight he's interpreting here to mean that they're like a sukkah the people who are straight who are true they protect everybody like a sukkah meaning now what does it mean what does it mean what does it mean, does it mean? the good people are like um, a thorn just like people use thorny bushes to protect where there's a breach in the wall so do the good people uh, among the Jewish people, protect them. Just like it uses the word sukkah, protection. What does it mean? Chedek. it means lehadek, like like we said in it means to crush the wicked people. The people are like a are crushers of the wicked for Gainab. Shinemar, as it says, Kumi Vadoshi it says, get up and crush. Batsyon, right? Ki karnech asim barzela, I will make your horn like iron, or parso taych asim nechusha, and I'm gonna make your feet like brass. Okay, and rabim, uh, and I'm going to crush many nations using the Jewish people as my uh, as my instrument to punish the nations. The point is, this conversation doesn't directly have anything to do with what we read above, but it's uh, But uh, you, you see here that they had conversations. Rabbi Yeshua ben Hanani a lot of times has conversations with the uh, with the uh, with those who uh, deviated from traditional Judaism. They would challenge him, interpreting the pasuk a certain way, and he gives them an interpretation back. Now the Mishnah says Loya <coughs> adam a person should not stand in Rushuthid. If he's standing in Rashut and he takes a key and he wants to open a door in Rush now we're assuming that the key itself was located in the He didn't bring it from Bashut Rabim to Ishtayahid. It was located in the Rush or Bashuthabim Vitah or he was in Rishut Rabim and he wanted to open something in Rishut Unless he makes a wall that is Tent fachim Hai. And this, of course, Rashi says is talking about where the person makes Tent Vachim Hai in the Rishut Rabim where he's standing. So now he's in a Rishut yeah. and the door is in Rishut HaYachid. Right? That's, the law. That's what Rabbi Meir says. There was a situation in the Shuk. Of the uh, of those who are of the butchers, the butchers' shook that was in Yerushalayim. <laughs> Shayu Noalin, they used to lock the door. And they would hide the key in a window above the door, right? And so you see that even though they were standing in Rishut Arabim, they would come and open it by standing in taking the key that was in a window, which was Rishut Yechid, opening it, and they didn't have any problem standing in the Rishut Rabim, opening Rishut Yechid. It wasn't actually a shuk of, uh, uh, of butchers, it was actually a shuk of people who were selling Wool. Either way, the commentary say that it's not. It's just a matter of historical detail. There's no real substantive at there. Why it's mentioned, I don't know. But the point is that um, that we are uh, that you see that they would have they were allowed standing in one Rasht, manipulating and doing things in another rishut, and it wasn't a problem. Okay. So Rabbi Meir says it is a problem, and we saw this before. Rabbanan. The rabbis, Amar Rabbi Meir, Rabim the rabbis, it's strange because Rabbi Meir is talking about somebody standing in a Roshut and opening something in Roshut or standing in a and opening something in Roshut Rabbi. But the rabbis are talking about the, the shopkeepers of Yerushalayim, and Yerushalayim is actually not a Roshut Rabbi. Because they, that Rabbi Yochanan had said that in Jerusalem, if it were not for the fact, that its doors are locked at night, <laughs> since we close the doors at night, the gates are closed at night back then, they closed the doors at night, so therefore it's considered Rashuta HaYachid technically, and they could actually make Erovei Chatzirot and the whole thing for all of you shallaim. but if the doors were, not, were never closed, then it would be considered Rishut HaRabim, right, so meaning it's not Rishut rabim as it stands now, so, so taking the example, Rabbi Meir was saying if you're standing in the Rishut HaYachid, you can't take a key that's sitting in the Rishut HaYachid and open a door that's in the Rishut HaYachid, because you might bring it to yourself, right, and vice versa, if you're standing in Rashid HaYachid, open something in Rashid but and, and, you, and the rabbis brought the example of Yerushalayim, that the shopkeepers would come to the, to the shop to open it on Shabbat. I guess they would use it for whatever. Obviously, they weren't selling stuff on Shabbat, but they would reach to, the, to take the key and open it. And, and, and they were standing in Rashid Rabim, but they weren't standing in Rashid Rabim. It's only karmelite at best. The problem, right? the, it's not the problem is the key, right? Not right, the key. The door. No, no, the key, the key. Yes. Yeah. If, the, if the key is kashul bechavel. I, he's saying you can't manipulate I- items that are in the other rishut. I, I I guess if it's attached that you can't move it to yourself, then maybe it would be okay. Yeah, yeah maybe, maybe, yeah. Maybe, says, Kan He said that one is talking about where, before, when, when Jerusalem was really, the walls were totally solid, <laughs> and, uh, and so therefore it wasn't considered a shut <laughs> But now there are now there are lots of open, uh, there are openings in the walls. It's not sealed off anymore, so it's considered a shut That's why they gave him the answer from a shut rabbim. Yeah, obviously, it yeah, must be, yeah. Rabbam, he said, "No. What, what you're missing is that there's a hidden clause in the Mishnah, which is regarding the doors into a garden." In other words, Rabbi Meir first said you can't stand in one biblical rishut, rishut or rishut and handle things in another rishut. But re- what it didn't mention in the Mishnah is he also said that you can't stand in a karmelit and handle things in another rishut. You can't stand in a Carmelite and open something and again, when they say opening, they mean that the key was resting in something which is considered Rishut HaYachid. And the, and, the, and, and the doorways are Rishut HaYachid and you're going to open the door, put the key back without moving it into where you're standing, right? Obviously. Now, <laughs> Rabbi Meir says that even when it comes to rabbinic Rishut, you have to be careful about this. They said, so that's why they brought the example of Yerushalayim. They said that you see there that in when it, that even though Jerusalem is considered a Carmelite and not a uh, and, and and not a uh, HaRabim, like we said before, but still you see there that they would act, they would do this. They would leave the key in something considered shutayahid, They would open something considered shuteiachid, put it back without bringing it into the Carmelite, and they would go in. So you see that it wasn't a problem. And of course, Rabbi Yossi said, Shuk Shell Tamarim wasn't the Shuk of the butchers, it was the Shuk of the of those who sold wool, whatever their significance of that is, but the point is that they're talking about a Karmelit. Now, the interesting thing is that the, some of the commentaries say from here, oh well, does that mean that the rabbis agree with Rabbi Meir in the case yeah. where uh, it's Rashut Rabim to rashut HaYachid Because if they were arguing with him in the case of Carmelit, does that mean they agree? So, really, the uh, the most of the farshim conclude <laughs> that they disagree in both cases. It's just trying to explain why they brought the case of Jerusalem to say, okay, even though you know we disagree with you about Rashut Rabim and rashut HaYachid but at least agree that when it comes to karmelit, it shouldn't be an issue. Because you see what they did in Yerushalayim. Not that they're agreeing that in, that that if you're standing in Rosh Hashanah, you can't handle things in Rosh Hashanah. Or if you're standing in Rosh Hashanah, you can't handle things in Rosh Hashanah. Not that, right? But the uh, but the uh, uh, but uh, but they they do disagree about that, right? But they're saying at least agree with us when it comes to karmelit. That's all. Now the Tanur Avanah, the Rabbi Saad now this is talking about a um, you have a door that separates Sharegina this is a which is a karmalip basically because it's very large it's more than 5000 square amot it's more than the bitsa Taim. and um, and it's not it's not something which is enclosed for for residential purposes, so it has a limits considered like a Carmelit Basically, outside is a uh, is it was rishut arabim. So you have a, a door in and out of this like park area. If there's like a little house there, like um, you know, like a little guard house that they have in between the garden and the rishut So that little guard house is like a rishut So that's the best. You can lock and unlock from it there, right? If that's inside, that's great. Right, on the other hand, uh if the if the guardhouse is outside, right, then you can do it from outside. Mikan, kan. Right. So and obviously if there's a guardhouse on both sides, it's great. In other words, if the door enters into first a little Rashuta booth and then you go into the uh and then you go into the garden. So then it's easy. You can lock and unlock from inside there because it's all reshut ayechit. No problem. It reminds me of like some things that they have at the zoo. You know, they have like certain exhibits that are outside, but first you go into like a little vestibule, that and then you go into the then you go into the uh, the the exhibit. So like they have like a little house there, almost like where they (laughs) whatever you have to do, and then you go through. So then it would be okay, but (laughs) lo lechan velo lechan asurit. But if you have no guardhouse, in other words, there's a direct door from the Rishuta Rabim into this Carmelite, so you can't stand in the Carmelite and open into the Rishuta Rabim, and you can't stand in the in the and open into the Carmelite. You're gonna have a problem. Similarly, um, if you have uh, stores that open to the Rishuta Rabim, if the lock of these ha- uh these shops is below tan Fachim, which means basically it counts as a karmelit because if it's above 10 Fachim and it's large enough it could be a rashuta Yahid itself cuz their lock was like looked like a box Okay, it looked like a box that actually had 4 by 4 Tfachim in there. So if it was below 10 Tfachim, it's still considered a Carmelite. And the iskupa, the, um, the porch is also a Carmelite. So you could leave the key, hide it under the mat on that uh, little porch and then open it with no problem. But if the key, if the, if the lock box is above uh, 10 tfakhim, so So then you have to put it on the lock somehow, or otherwise in a reshuta type of place, and, and then you open or and you lock and you return it to its place. so they had to hide keys obviously because what's the point of having a key if you put the key right there on the lock so that anybody will come open it, right? But the idea is that yeah, it has. If you're going to go from reshuta yachid if the lock is a reshuta you can only. I'll open the lock if you leave it in a Rishul And if the lock is considered a karmelit, then you can only use it if it's in a, if it's left in a place that's considered a karmelit. That's according to Rabbi Meir even if the lock is above 10 which means it's a reshut we're learning it right now, right? You could still leave it in the Iskopa. The Iskopa is a Karmalit. And in the morning you can come back and you can open and lock and you can put it back in its place, even though the key, I, I assume so, yeah. Even though the key is in a Karmalit and the lock is a Roshut Or you can put it into the window, which is, over the door. But if that window has four by four it's going to be a problem. Because it's like bringing from one rishu to the other. So this is a little confusing. Because if the we're saying that the lock being above ten means that the lock is itself considered to be like an, uh, a, a, a rishu so then what's the problem with taking it out of that lock and putting it in the window? In other words, we understand that according to both the Chachamim and Rabbi Meir, it sounds like if you take an item, if the key was in a rishu tarabim was actually in a Rashut Rabim, right? Here we're not talking about like we were talking about before. Because before we're talking about you're standing in Rishut Rabbeem and you move things that are in Rashuta Yahid, but both the key and the lock are in Rashuthid. Or you're standing in Rashuta Yahid and both the key and the locker in Rashut Rabbeem. That's a different story. Now we're saying that the key and putting the key into the lock the lock is a Rishut HaYachid and the key is in a karmelit. so you're basically carrying it from a karmelit to the Rashuta Yahid. Or if the key were in a Rashut Rabib and you t- put it into a Rishut Yahid if the lock is considered a Rishut HaYachid, that's what we're talking about now. We're not ta- caring about so much where you're standing, we're caring about the lock and the key, okay? So now the question is like this, what is, the, what is the case, what are these cases that we're talking about here? So from the fact that Rabbi Meir mentioned the uh, the stores, the stores imply that we're talking about a porch, which is a karmelit, okay, because that's how it was structured what is the status of the lock now if it has less than 4 twachim in width and length so that means it's like we've said many times if it's elevated and it's small it shouldn't be considered anything it's it doesn't have any status at all so what's the problem with putting the key like our locks today there's no opening in the lock it's just a solid piece the hole is tiny that's not going to be a carmelite no one's going to call that lock a carmelite right so on the other hand if it has 4 by 4 But the rabbis themselves say that you can leave the key on a porch and then you can open the lock and then you can put it back. But then you're saying that this lock is actually your Rishut because it has four by four Tepachim. But then you're actually moving something from a Karmali to a In other words, if the lock itself, in other words, the lock was like a box. Um, right? So if it actually has 4x4 four four Tfachim and it's elevated above the ground 10 Tfachim, it should be considered a Shuta yekhid. You shouldn't be able to take a key that was in the Karmelit and put it in there. And, it, <coughs> and if it's Makompitur, then what's the problem? If it's small, then, then it's too small to be anything. In other words, even a Karmelit has to be 4x4 four four Tfachim. It has to at least have space. Right? Otherwise, it it's just Mecom It's nothing at all. So then what's the problem here? So Abayek comes and explains. Amar Rabbi, Rabbi says, we're misunderstanding what the whole issue is here. Le'olam de bar Barba'ah What we're talking about is the classic machloket between Rabbi Meir and the Chachamim of Chokekin Lashlim, which means. That if you have something, you have an opening that is small, but there is enough material that if you wanted to extend the opening, you could extend the opening. Do we imagine it as if the opening is already extended? So like we have the same concept by mezuzah, where there's enough space to cut out a doorway that would be the right dimensions. There's enough material in the wall, but you didn't. It's too small. So according to Rabbi Meir, we imagine as if you did. And according to Chachamim, En Chokkekin Lashlim. So the So Baha Rabbi Meir. So Sabar Chokkekin Lashlim. En In other words, this right now, this lock is too small. It's really makom Really, it should be too small to care whether you moved something from a karmelit to the lock, from the lock to the karmelit, from a to the lock, and all, because the because the car, the lock itself is. Too small right now. But Rabbi Meir says, since you could extend the lock into the door, there's enough material in the door that you could actually make that lock opening bigger. The, in, in that box, which is the, uh, the lock, you could make it bigger. And if you made it bigger, then it would create a Rashut hayachid ha- 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 of its own or a Karmalit of its own, since it's possible. So therefore, we look at it as it's actual. That's what Rabbi Meir says. Chachamim say, no, since right now it's tiny, we call it Makom We call it Insignificant. And, and now, We can learn three things from this. First of all, we learn... At least according to Rabbi Meir, we learn that when, when we have a sub, that when we have a substance that has an opening, but there's enough material to make the opening larger, we act as if it's larger. We, we we act as if it was extended to the full um you know, full measure of possibility. We also see that Rabbi Meir must have retracted his opinion about Sha'ray Gina, about the gateway in between the Rabbim and the Carmelit. because here you see that he's not concerned about taking <coughs> even though he's considering the lock to be a um, uh, to be a Carmelite right he's not concerned about uh, moving things from the Carmelite to the uh, to the uh, back and forth because it said above in this Braita, he said that uh, uh, that maybe right you can put the uh, you can put the key on the porch which is a Carmelite and in the morning you can open it and then you can put it back, right? If And if, if it's above ten t'fachim, right? So he said there you can place it on the um, on top of the lock and then you can open it in the morning and put it back. So he's saying that even though, um, that he must have retracted. So Rashi explains. Because this person clearly is standing on the porch which is Karmalit, and he's handling all this stuff because what did Rabbi Meir say before Rabbi Meir said before that if you're standing in a Rishut HaRabim, you can't handle things in Rishut Hayachid if you're standing in a Rishut Hayachid you can't handle things in Rishut HaRabim. and even if you're standing in Karmalit, you can't handle things in either Rishut but here you see that the guy's standing on the porch and he's moving all this stuff around that if they're both Rishut Hayachid it was okay according to Rabbi Meir because he said if the lock is above 10 fakhim and we treat it Rishut Hayachid and the key was kept in also in Rishut HaYichid, he can move it and he can open it and it's no problem, even though he's standing himself in Carmelit. It's okay because no object ever moved from Rashuta Yahid to Carmelit. So apparently Rabbi Meir retracted his idea because originally he said not that any two, basically you have to be in the same reshut. You have to be in a reshut that you could carry from into the reshut that you are op- manipulating objects in. Right? That was his rule before. So even if it's rabbinic, he didn't care. Now you see that when it comes to the rabbinic, he's more lenient. He says if you're standing in the uh, uh, Carmelit, you could manipulate things in a Rishut HaYechid or That would be okay. Right? Just that you, obviously, you can't bring them for, for in uh, one Rishut from the other. But you'll be able to, ma- to handle that. Okay? He still seems to maintain that you cannot... Uh, move objects around in a Rishut HaRabim or Rishut Hayekhid, if you're standing in a Rishut HaRabim or, or you're standing in the opposite Biblical Rishut. But Carmeliti gave up on that idea seemingly from this case because you see that he's allowing the guy to stand on the porch and do all this stuff. And We hear that the rabbis agree. With that we said that if something has less than 4x4 4 Tvachim, 4, meaning it's called Makom Petur, so then it's okay for people in the roshut HaRabim to place items on it, and it's okay for people in the roshut HaYachid to place items on it. It's in between the two, roshuyot But since it is Makom Petur, it is neither one. It's not a roshut HaYachid, it's not a roshut HaRabim, it's not even a karmelit because it doesn't have 4x4 4 Tvachim. Right, So it's nothing, it's a nothing place. It would have to be elevated above the Rishwet HaRabim enough that it wouldn't be caught, considered part of the Rishwet HaRabim. But it's too small to be anything any status. So, they're both allowed to say, well, As long as they don't say, oh, I'm in the Rashutah Yechid, I'm gonna put this item on the Petur, and then you come and you take it and bring it into the Rashuta Arabim. We wouldn't be able to do that. You can't switch. You see the exact same thing here. That since the rabbis are considering the key to be a Petur, so that's why, in the words of the rabbis, they said that, and Rashi says, that's why they said that if this key box actually has four by four t'vachim, so that it actually is a reshut and you took the item and you placed it on the. Um, I'm sorry. No, it should say the opposite. Rashi right? must be have a emirsh b'chalon, right? Only if it has in the window, not in the key. Meaning the key box is a makom right? So you took from a uh, uh, you took from the karmelite. And you, uh, you put it into the key boxes with is Petur, and then you want to put it in the window, which is actually Rashuta HaYachid, because it's large, that would be a problem. Why? Because you took from Carmelite, you used the makom Petur to like uh, money laundering sort of like you know to clean the uh, to clean it and then you to launder the action and then you put it over to the halon. cuz you really you end up transferring from Carmelit all the way to uh, Rashid de Yechid, using the Macpetor as your way station in the middle the that coming. you're not allowed to do right so that's what you're not allowed to do but if the uh, the window was not did not constitute a Rishut HaYechid, let's say it was a Carmelite, or it was also a Makom Petur, then it wouldn't be a problem to put it there. So that you see from that that they agree with that concept, that Makom Petur, yes, it's allowed by both uh, Rishut rabim and Rishut Hayechid to use it, but they can't play tricks and transfer, and even they can't play tricks and transfer from a Rashutayachid to a Carmelite, or from a Carmelite to rashutayachid using the makom to like wa- wash away um, the original action. They can't. They wouldn't be allowed to do that. So that's that's a conclusion. The conclusion of the gemara is that Rabbi that Rabbi Meir still maintains his position. Seemingly, <laughs> that a person standing in rashutayachid cannot manipulate objects in Rishut Rabim. A person standing in Rishut Rabim cannot manipulate objects in Rishut Yachid. However, if one of those two Rishuyot is a Carmelite, seemingly, Rabbi Meir retracted his position. We also learn, again, that according to Rabbi Meir, when we look at a space we look at the physical, that we look not only at the space that's hollowed out, but also at what the potential would be. And we define it in terms of how much you could expand it if you wanted to, let's say they're very thick walls, and it's very small now, but if you expanded it out, then it would be, it would be able to have the dimensions of a reshut. We imagine as if it is. The rabbis say, no, we just take things as they are. We don't imagine the possibilities. We just take the actuality. And here the actuality is, that the space is small. So we don't call it a Carmelit based on that. We call it a Makom because right now it doesn't have that much open space to qualify as a rishut. So this And this is a Machloket that they have throughout all different cases, uh, all different contexts in Shas, what, how we look at space. Do we look at the potential to expand the space or we just look at the space as it is right now? It's like sometimes a person will look at Purchasing a house, and they say, do, you know, do you look at the house as it is, or do you look at what you can do with the house? Right? Do you, so, Rabbi Meir is thinking of your imagination, what you could do with it. You could expand it. Yeah, what the potential. The Chachamim say the actual is what defines the halacha. Okay.